Welcome to episode number 54 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. Today we're going to get into a topic that's dealing with prosperity. I've been talking about that now for the last several episodes, and today will be no different. We want to get into an area dealing with ethical prosperity. What that means is always being fair with others when it comes to financial issues. Let me give you an example. If you have an automobile that you want to sell and you think it's worth $2,000 and you feel that's a very fair price, you've checked it out, you feel very comfortable with it, and someone else wants to buy the car from you and they feel that $2,000 is fair, they've checked it out, they feel good about it, both of you feel good about the decision, you're not overcharging that person and that person is not trying to take it away from you at a lower price by putting a lot of pressure on you. When that happens, you have a transaction that's fair. It's fair to both sides. There's something I've talked about and written about for years, and it's the way of explaining ethical prosperity, that's financial prosperity, is that both sides should win. Both sides should win simply means this. A transaction takes place, each person is happy and comfortable and pleased with the price they receive for something. In the business world, a lot of times, there's a lot of unethical transactions taking place. I was a real estate developer for many years and I was in partnerships and then we had our own company. We did our own transactions and I ran into various people that had different attitudes towards making money. Some felt like they wanted to always be the one that had the upper hand. They wanted to control the transaction and they didn't care if it was a good transaction for you. As long as it was good for them, they were happy with it. Well, that's called unethical financial transactions. I don't like it. I don't think it's right. I know biblically it's it's not proper. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, verses number 2. We'll start at 2. Let me read it to you. It's three or four verses here that are very important in telling us how to deal with others when it comes to transactions in life. And I'm going to apply it towards financial transactions where we're maybe buying and selling homes or doing something or forming partnerships or investing in things together. How should we deal with that and how should we treat it? So let's look at Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse number 2. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It says here, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as being better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests only, but take an interest in others too. You know, I looked all through the Word of God to find a scripture, something that would kind of explain what I want to talk about when it comes to having ethics in order to have proper prosperity in our finances. And I can't think of a better example than this. Of course, there's other places where it says to avoid being selfish and at all times avoid all forms of greed. And those are all things that are important to setting up financial decisions. And if we want to be known as a person with integrity, a person who can be trusted, a person who people can look to for advice and direction. There was a man in town, a home builder, very, very successful home builder in the Phoenix area. I won't give you the name because I don't think that would be proper, but he became incredibly wealthy and he was known as being a very honest, straightforward businessman. He would go out and buy parcels of land from farmers and then allow the farmers to continue to farm and then they would pay, they would make agreements for payment. They would maybe lease the land back to him and then he bought the property from them to begin with and a lot of really wonderful transactions that he did. And then when he wanted to build on their property, he would then complete the transaction and they would be happy and in agreement 
agreement with it, and then he started building homes. Well, he did this and wound up owning huge amounts of lands. I mean, thousands and thousands of acres of property all over the Phoenix metropolitan area. But more important than his great wealth was the fact that he was known as a man with integrity, a man that you could trust. The, the old days, in the old days when I was a, a banker, when I first started out many years ago, someone would come in to do business with me. We literally would talk about a transaction. We would talk about maybe a loan that, that I was going to make this person. And we would just reach out each other's hands and shake hands on it. And that made the deal happen. Now we obviously had to sign contracts and we had to sign notes and had to do all that stuff. But in the negotiating part, when you looked at another person, you looked them in the eye and you shook hands with them, you, you, you had a contract. You had something that was binding. You were putting your reputation on the line. I could give you a many examples. I won't do that right now of where people that I knew were unethical. I guess I should give you one just as an example of something that happened in my life and something that could happen in your life. A gentleman and I went out and bought a piece of property. We owned it for several years and then we thought, well, it's time to sell it. So a home builder came along and they offered us a price and we sat down with them and negotiated the price and we came up with an agreement of what the price would be. So we stood up and we shook hands with each other. Back in those days, that meant we had a deal. Now, like I said, obviously you need contracts, you need all the proper agreements written down to make it totally legal. But when you shook hands, it was just something that took place. And you knew that you knew that that person was going to honor their agreement. Well, we went in again after the loan documents were prepared and sat down with these people to uh, consummate, complete the deal. And my partner looked at them and said, no, I want more money. I'm not going to sign these. And they looked back at us and said, well, we had an agreement. We shook hands on it. Here's the papers that draw up for the agreement. But my partner said, no, no, I'm not going to go with that. I want more. And he raised the price significantly, like about 25% increase in the price. And I just looked at my partner and I thought, I don't want to be a partner with him anymore. I don't agree with that type of business. And I was totally opposed to it. So we didn't do any more deals after that. But what was so important was is that I got away from that person because I didn't want to be affected by that. You see, if we're not ethical in our finances, if we don't operate with integrity and honesty and that we can re be relied upon for our word being our bond as, as what we say, then if we're not with people just like that of the same mindset that we are, their personality, the way they handle business will come out on us and people will look at us and think that we're associating with these people and so therefore we must be just like them. So going back to the scripture, what does it say? It says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. That's just simply being in agreement with people. And sometimes we agree that we are going to disagree on something. Now that may be a little confusing to some, but what that means is we're not going to be in agreement on this transaction. So we're going to agree that we're not going to agree on this transaction. That means it's done, it's settled, and we're going to move on to another topic. So it says, says here what Paul was talking about. It says loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. See, we should have a goal and that goal should be in a business transaction. The goal that we should have is to have a transaction that's fair to both sides of the transaction. When I'm buying, I want it to be fair to me. When I'm selling, I want it to be fair to me and fair to the person who's buying. Sometimes when you sell a piece of property, at least my experience has been when I sell a home, I build a home on a piece of property that I bought, get it all ready to go and I put a price on it and I sell it. And then some people might say, well, boy, you uh, sold that a little cheap. You probably 
should have made more money on it. And I'd say, no, no, I'm happy with that. I don't look back and say, well, I wish I could have, or I wish I, if only I would have, or if only I could have. Those are the things that'll drive you crazy. But I would look back on the transaction and say, no, at that time, I was happy with that. I'm moving on and I'm not going to look back and cause, has that to cause me problems and make me regret a decision that I made. So I want to be able to, what I call, leave some room on the table for the next person. Let me explain that. What that means is I sell a piece of property for a thousand dollars. I'm going to give you an easy number to work with, a thousand dollars. And that person looks back at me and says, you know, that's a good buy because I think it's worth fifteen hundred dollars. But he pays me a thousand. I'm happy that he's happy and he's happy that I'm happy. We both win. That's a win-win transaction. Well, then he goes ahead and then he sells it to somebody else a week later for three thousand dollars. I'm not going to be upset that I sold it for a thousand. I'm happy with my thousand. I'm going to be in agreement. I'm going to be willing to say I'm leaving some room in this transaction for you to make some money too. Why do I have to make all the money and just cut you out? That's a very dangerous attitude and one that, that is, is handled a lot of times in business transactions. When we're dealing with the topic of ethics or integrity, there's a statement that's made that I have a difficult time with that I disagree with people making. And that's the attitude, what's best for me is what's best for everyone else. It, you know, it applies to church life. Now, I'm not going to preach to you right now, but it does apply to per church life. When I pastored a church for years, I may have a problem with someone. Maybe I had a, another pastor that him and I were in disagreement, whatever. Rather than just fire him and get rid of him, I would ask the Lord, Lord, what's best for the church? Because I know that what's best for the church is what's best for me. And if you have that attitude in life that's what's best for the other situation is also best for you, you're, you'll be known as a peacemaker. And so in the church, the crucial thing about the church that people always look the other way around and they say, well, what's best for me is what's best for the church. No, it's not that at all. It's always what's best for the church is best for us. And in a transaction, we should look at it that not only it needs to be good for me, but it also needs to be good to the other person so that both sides win. I think I beat that one up enough. Let's move on to the next area of this discussion on integrity in order to receive prosperity in our finances. You know, as I was thinking of looking away and doing something else, I looked back down at this scripture and it continues in verse three. I need to get back there. I was I thought I'd move on, but I think this is really important. In Philippians chapter two, verse three, it says, don't be selfish. Boy, there's a lesson to learn there. When we're little kids, we tend to be selfish. We tend to want it for me. It's all about me. I want this. I want that. And you want to share a piece of candy with a little kid and many times they'll just look at you and they'll pull their hand back and they don't want to share anything with you. So don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. That's obviously very important to operate with integrity. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Wow. Thinking of others as being more important than you are. That's a real challenge for a lot of folks, especially when it comes to seeking financial prosperity. They want to prosper. doesn't seem to matter if other people do. I like to see other people prosper. I Obviously, I want to prosper. I want to be successful financially. I like to have transactions that are successful for me too, but I also enjoy seeing other people succeed. That's so crucial in life because that's how our God is. When it comes to financial prosperity, our God wants us to prosper. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture that I've used many, many 
many times, and I'm going to read it to you again real quickly. It's in 3 John 2 in the New Living Translation. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You'll hear that over and over again with me on these podcasts because that's how God feels towards us. God wants us to prosper in all things. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to receive financial gain, but he also wants us to treat others fairly. And he wants us to make sure that our finances line up to his word where he wants us to be givers so that he can then be opened up to be able to give more to us. So remember when it comes to financial prosperity, dealing with integrity, and being an honest person, we must always avoid selfishness. We must avoid greed. We must look for the interests of others as being more important than even our interest. That way, you won't hurt somebody in a transaction. You won't sell someone a piece of property for more than what it's really worth and taking advantage of people. We we can't prosper. That's not prosperity. That's unethical. That's wrong. That's incorrect. And God will not bless that. So if you want your finances to be blessed, be sure and establish those points of ethical prosperity. As you can tell, I enjoy using the Word of God to teach these particular episodes. Matter of fact, I like to use the Word of God in every area of our life because I believe that God's instruction manual, what we call the Bible, gives us guidance and direction on every single area that we should deal with in life. And it certainly deals with the area of finances. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 in the New Living Translation. Listen to these words. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. You know, just simply telling the truth is the key to proper financial prosperity that'll be blessed by the Lord. If the Word of God tells us that the Lord detests, he's totally opposed to it. He hates lying lips, but he delights. He gets excited about those who tell the truth. We should always be truthful. We've got to remember that the truth sometimes is not going to make you the biggest profit, but on the other hand, it, you know, in that particular transaction, but on the other hand, truth over the long term is always the best way to operate. So let's be sure that we are trustworthy and that we tell the truth in transactions, that we don't deceive anyone, that if we're selling someone a car and it's got a bad transmission, tell them about the bad transmission. Don't just hide that and let it go because God will not bless that. So if you want to be blessed financially, then let's sure and line up our decisions, line up our financial actions the way God wants us to handle them. Here's another few words of wisdom and direction from our Lord. It's found in Proverbs 23 verses 4 and 5. I'm going to read these and comment on them. This is from the New Living Translation. Proverbs 23 verse 4. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. I need to comment on that in a moment. Verse 5. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. All right, let's take a look at that and see what it's talking about because it really relates to what we're talking about today, dealing with financial integrity in order to receive prosperity. It says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. There's a lot of folks who wind up going to the grave early because of unhealthy habits of eating and not exercising and overworking and worrying. I believe that worry and anxiety is probably one of the more difficult things in our life to deal with, and it's something that can cause us a tremendous number of physical issues and problems. I've known of men who work so hard that they they couldn't even go through the day without taking medication at their desk, literally drinking it. I had a gentleman I worked with in banking many, many years ago, and he was just, he was a workaholic. He was just so focused on hard, hard, hard work. He wanted to become the most successful banker in the state. He was very talented. He really was very talented, and he was a man who I worked with. He helped train me in some certain areas but I like to 
have balance in my life. I wanted to leave after an eight or 10 hour day and go home and be with my family. He didn't like to do that. He would work 12 and 14 and 16 hour days and then he would take his work home with him so that he couldn't speak to his kids. He couldn't speak to his wife. He would just take it home and work in his office at home and he was just constantly working. He would work at his desk. You see, when the Bible says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich, this man was trying to achieve success so that he could have financial success. He would prosper and appear to be a very successful individual, but he would sit there and drink a lot of things for his stomach and for his his mind and his his ulcers that he had. And just to keep himself from throwing up at the desk, it sounds pretty disgusting, but that's what he would do. You'd be in the middle of a conversation. He'd say, excuse me. And he would reach over and grab a great big bottle of this stuff that would settle his stomach down and cause his ulcer to slow down. And he would just guzzle it right from the bottle. He wouldn't take a teaspoon of it or a tablespoon of it. He simply was drinking it in order to settle his stomach, to settle his nerves, to cause his ulcer to ease up on him. And he would never think about, why don't I just stop what I'm doing and get away from this and maybe take a little bit of a rest or get away and allow my body to kind of catch up with all the activity I'm doing. No, he basically was working himself to death and didn't even realize it. As time went on, he became incredibly unhealthy, developed heart conditions, blood conditions, high blood pressure. It just went on and on. I have not seen the man or known of him for many, many years, but he obviously was in serious trouble physically because he didn't know how to deal with his financial challenges and his desire to be successful regardless of what the cost was. And yet he was a very, very intelligent man, highly educated. But then in the scripture goes on to say, it says, be wise enough to know when to quit. See, he may have been intelligent, but he didn't have any wisdom. A lot That happens to a lot of us when it comes to our finances. We may have the intelligence to make a good decision, but we're not using the wisdom that God wants to give us to make good decisions. So it says, be wise enough to know when to quit. There's a time when we have to say to ourselves, okay, I'm working hard enough. As a matter of fact, I'm working too hard. I need to slow down. I need to pace myself. I need to fall back and the old saying says and smell the roses meaning enjoy what's out there around you take a vacation take a few days away and be sure that you don't just constantly put yourself under constant pressure a lot of people say well pastors are so blessed because they're so fortunate because they can leave work anytime they want to well I was a pastor for 20 years and whenever I left work to try and get away from a little bit it seemed like my phone always followed me and there was always someone with an emergency or a challenge but I made sure that I got my time to rest and recoup to be with my wife and be with my family. I realize that I don't have all the answers, but I do know the one who does have all the answers, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when he tells us, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich, we need to listen to that. And then when he says, be wise enough to know when to quit, we need to listen to that and know when we should slow down. Now, when he says quit, that doesn't mean that we give up. That just simply means that for that moment, for that time, we need to step back and trust God with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding, and always acknowledge him, and he'll direct our path. Now, verse number five says something that's interesting. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Man, what a, what a wonderful statement that is. I mean, it's a wonderful statement to learn from, but it's a terrible statement to see happen in your life. There were times in business when I made good investment decisions and they usually came out because I prayed. My wife and I were in agreement on it and we were focused on it. We knew what we should do and when we should do it. And those 
always came out with a profit. And then there were times when I didn't pray enough about a subject and maybe I bought a piece of property or did something that I did too quickly, didn't do my due diligence. And I've talked a lot about due diligence. That's checking out things, verify things, making sure that you know what you're doing and what direction you're going. And when I did that, I got myself in trouble. And what this scripture is talking about is that we we work hard. We can spend years and years and years working hard, decades working hard to be successful in business or successful at home or financially successful and prosper and then make one bad decision and in a matter of hours it can disappear. It makes me think of the issues taking place in, in our country today with investments. There's a lot of folks who love the stock market. Now I'm not a stock broker so I'm not going to give advice on it. There's a lot of people who like gold and silver and I'm also not an investor to teach on this show what to do and what not to do but I can tell you this. I have been very blessed, very fortunate to get my finances involved with good Christian people who have given me good wisdom and good direction. With all the tools that are out there, all the opportunities there are to invest, we need to be extremely careful. And to make a decision like running out and saying, well, this guy invested in that, so I'm going to take all the money that I've got and throw it into that same stock or into gold or into cryptocurrencies or whatever the latest thing is that's out there is very dangerous. And the Bible warns us to stay away from that. I know that last year, in the year 2020, there were a lot of losses taken in the stock market because people had put their money there. Then the COVID thing hit. And when the COVID thing hit, we had a huge reduction in business, a huge reduction in the stock market. And people, many of them lost as much as a third, 30, 40% of their wealth disappeared because they were invested in things that disappeared on them. So it's important for us to understand that we must know what we're getting into, be careful and understand that steady plotting brings prosperity and that hasty speculation brings poverty. That's in the Word of God. It's in the book of Proverbs. I've given it many, many times, so I'm not going to continue to talk about it, but I believe in it and I believe that steady plotting is the step to financial prosperity. As we move on, I want to go back to Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 28. It's a very powerful scripture. Once again, something to give us direction in our desire to prosper financially. 28 says this in the New Living Translation, trust in your money and down you go, but the godly flourish like leaves in spring. You know, trusting in anything other than God is going to rob us of financial blessings, health blessings, spiritual blessings, family blessings, everything that we can think of, relationships, our health, everything is going to be impacted if we do nothing but trust in our money. Even on our currency in the United States, it says on the back of it, in God we trust. Now, I know there's a lot of people in our country right now would probably like to see that removed because they don't trust in God. But fortunately and thankfully to the Lord that we're still keeping that on our money because that's a crucial statement. It's a crucial statement in every area of our life. But I believe when you think of your finances, we've got to put our trust in Him. One of my all-time favorite scriptures is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And it says right here, very powerful. Listen to it very carefully. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Then it says in verse 6, Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Verse 7, I guess I got to keep reading this. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then it says in verse 8, Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. 
I know I've read more verses than I thought I was going to read, but when the Holy Spirit speaks up, we need to listen. And this is so important when it comes to financial prosperity that we understand we've got to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Now, we can say, God, I trust you, but I, it says here, with all our heart. That means all of who we are. It's crucial that we not only trust in God, but totally and completely, 100% of who we are needs to trust in God to help us make decisions. And then it says, do not depend on your own understanding. You see, I believe that many of us don't realize that our understanding sometimes is the problem. I know that as a banker for years and as a real estate developer and a teacher and instructor at college for many years, I sometimes was not very smart in thinking that, well, I understand that. I know how to do that. So I can just do that on my own. I don't need to pray about it. I don't need, need God's help. I don't need to seek help from someone else. And I was leaning on my own understanding. And usually in those cases, things didn't turn out real well. Or if they did, they were kind of manipulated and kind of getting around stuff. There's an old saying that says, I want to get something done if I I have to knock a door down to get it done. I'll just knock the door down and get in there and get this thing done and take care of the situation. Well, that's a violation of God's word. We don't knock doors down. I don't mean physically you go out and get a battering ram and you knock a door down. That means run over or push over people or things or circumstances that are in your way to get what you want according to your own understanding. And that truly is going to rob us of God's blessing. If we're operating on our own understanding, we're basically saying, God, I got this covered. I don't need you. Don't worry about it. I'll I'll do this. I got this handled. And the Lord doesn't want us to think that way because it says here, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. You see, if we seek God's will and want to know, Lord, do you want me to make this decision or that decision? What do you want me to do and how do you want me to do it? And then you pray and you seek God and then you feel in your spirit that you are receiving wisdom and direction from the Lord because you're at peace about making a decision. Then you know where you're on the right track and you know that God is guiding and directing us. Like I've said before, I've never heard an audible voice from God telling me do this or do that or go here or go there. But I can tell you when I've prayed, I felt an overwhelming, incredibly overwhelming power that I'm making the right decision or that I'm not making the right decision or I should run from that situation. And that's the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. If you're a believer and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. So don't rob yourself of asking him for guidance and direction and he will give you the answer by bringing a level of peace that is beyond your own understanding. I know when I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't understand what was going on. The doctor told me I had six months to live, but I had the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that was guarding my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You can't describe it, but I looked at the doctor when he said, so I hate to tell you this, but if my treatments don't work, he said, you probably have six months or less to live. He says, your body will just shut down. This cancer, this myeloma will just take over your body and all your major organs will start to fail. And when he said that, I looked right at him. I mean, it was instant. And I said, so let me be sure I understand you. You are trying to scare me with heaven. And he just looked at me and he said, you mean you believe that? And I said, yes, I do. And before this thing is over, you're going to believe it too. Well, to make a very long story short, God healed me. The doctor has come to believe that it was a miracle. He even wrote it down in his files. And I give God all the glory for that because I did not lean on my own understanding and the Holy Spirit helped me to have the right response in my spirit to encourage me and to encourage someone else around me. Now, getting back to our finances, it says, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. We've got to get his direction because his thoughts are better than ours. And it says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then this 
wonderful word then in verse 8. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. He's talking about everything that we have in our life will be improved, will be stronger, will be better because we have the blessings of the Lord. Because it's the blessings of the Lord that carries us through all of our financial decisions, all of our health decisions, all the issues of life. So I hope that this teaching today has been of value to you. I really enjoy speaking on prosperity, especially when we have a foundation of it based upon the Word of God. Allow me to pray for you for just a moment. Father, I pray a blessing would come down upon those who are listening to this session today. And I thank you, Lord, that in your Word you give us guidance and direction. I thank you, Father, that those who've listened today, Lord, are seeking your guidance for their financial prosperity. If they've tuned in and their only goal in life is to be prosperous financially, they're going to miss out on some of the greater blessings we can have in our life. So I now pray, Father, a blessing upon them. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get into your word and for teach on this topic. And I give you praise for it now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ and you've given your heart to him, then I think a lot of this makes a lot of sense to you. But for those of you who might be listening to this and you've never had an encounter with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd like you to just pray and say, Father, I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. I repent of these sins. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I promise to serve you all the days of my life. If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to find a good church. Find a church that teaches the Word of God. Get a Bible. Start reading. You might want to start in the book of Romans. It's a great place to start. But pick up the Word of God. Read it. Study it. And make it become alive in your life. I know God wants to bless you, and He wants to do it through His church and through the reading of His Word. If you've enjoyed this episode of Quality Christian Living, you can subscribe to my podcast on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, my webpage is at davidcfriendauthor.com. And if you want to go to that, you'll be able to find other books that I've written on the topics of faith, even topics on the Vietnam War and PTSD and those things. Also, I've written on finances. There's a book there entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. So I know you'll be blessed by it. And if you'll pull up that webpage and press the link, that'll take you to where my books are being sold. In addition to that, I'm offering a free ebook if you'll sign up for that one and also a monthly newsletter. So I want to try and keep speaking and trying to help people be informed as to how God wants to bless them. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. My next podcast is entitled How to Make Prosperous Decisions. I know I need to look into that again. I'm sure you'll be blessed by it. So until next time, may God richly bless you.